Let's face it, the neurotypical world is weird. It's big, loud and complicated, as are the people who live there. Navigating it takes work, experience and luck. If only there was some sort of rule book to follow. A survival guide, if you will. That's where we come in. I'm Kieran. I'm Chloe. Welcome to the Social Survival Guide. Every episode we'll talk about our experiences, our tactics and answer some questions. So we can add a rule to the guide to help us and to help you. But we don't want to do this alone. If you want to share your own experiences, thoughts and rules to add, email us at socialsurvivalguide at gmail.com. Also, go follow us on Instagram at Social Survival Podcast for updates and useful links. But first, let's open up the guide and get to work. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Social Survival Podcast. Hello. 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 Yes, we're back for another week. It's another Sunday. So, hi, how are you doing? Did you have enough sleep? Me neither. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. So as usual today, we'll be talking about our experiences with certain certain issues and trying to get through them in any way that we can. But first, we've got a little bit of feedback to, to run on from episode one, because a little peek behind the curtain, we recorded episode one and two very close together. But since episode one has as of recording, now been out. We've got a bit of feedback that we want to go through. It's been very positive so far because we were talking about um, being able to introduce ourselves or talk to some people. And one comment here says that they're a neurodivergent journalist and they think they probably treat meeting new people as like an interview sort of a thing. So they try and get the other person to talk about themselves Mm -hmm. more often than they can, which is great because it like if you're a journalist then you can you're listening and you're hearing the questions and you know they're kind of like the juicy <laughs> the juicy stuff to try and get them to talk more on which takes the pressure off you to come up oh, with your yeah. own stuff doesn't it you... yeah that's what i was gonna say i can relate to that because meeting new people as we've established i don't like talking about myself so the more they talk not that i'm interested <laughs> um but the more they talk however medial it may seem at least I don't have to try and talk about myself. Yeah. Actually, I think that is something we covered last episode when it was trying to ask follow-up questions on things yeah, yeah. for people just to kind of like make things easier for you. Yeah. And then we've got another one on leaving situations. There's a little tip here. Apparently one of the things you can do is have a like a list of things, so kind of excuses. So this is more or less taking a playbook from the neurotypicals, because they do this all the time without even thinking <laughs> about it. If you have like a pre-prepared list of things you've got to do, so like you've got working in the morning, or, you know, early starts, that yeah. sort of thing. Maybe it's, in my case, it's usually true that it's quite a long way home. Just have like, have an excuse ready to go to get out of it. But of course, the issue is getting up to that point. Yeah. I found, you know, it's quite difficult to just go, oh, I need to be off. That's the issue we tend to find rather than the actual excuse of it all. I do find it a lot easier to leave the situation when I do kind of have a reason or an excuse, even if it's exaggerated slightly. Mm. But it, yeah, it definitely helps more when that excuse is kind of exaggerated truth 
rather than just something I've kind of made up just in case yeah. I need to get out. But I do think having having a, a reason to leave is very, very good advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we did also get a request for doing an episode on family. That's going to be quite a complicated issue. So we will get to it eventually. But whatever angle we try and go, is we've got to try and do it fairly carefully. Cause... Yeah. Let's not turn it into a therapy session yeah. <laughs> on childhood traumas. <laughs> also, our families tend to know who we are. Yeah. So <laughs> we've got to be careful on that one. <laughs> so watch this space, though. We'll we'll figure out some way to get the get the family weirdness in there. Yeah. And then uh, just one other thing before we properly start today's episode is that our experiences, so mine and Chloe's experiences, will differ from whatever you go through. So, you know, things that affect us may not necessarily affect you and vice versa. You know, the things that you struggle with, we may not have a look in. We may not have experience of that. So if there is something you'd like us to talk about or, you know, have a research on, because we are very good researchers ourselves, mm-hmm. We will read up on it, we'll kind of work with you to try and represent your experiences as best we can. But if you want that done, we will gladly do it. Just give us an email at socialsurvivalguide at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at socialsurvivalpodcast and we'll help you out. We want to try and give a voice to as many of these issues as we can and just to try and help you through it as best we can because we're going through stuff, you're going through stuff. And at the end of the day, you can't always be aware of everything in the world that you, you know, experience or have trouble with. And I'm still learning about a lot of stuff that I find difficult. So if we get suggestions in, we may go, oh, I I have problems with that too. I didn't even (laughs) realise. Yeah, yeah, there may well be things that we we struggle with that we don't realise are like... And not... Neurodiver- yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that are neurodivergent issues so that, it's all learning for us as well yeah. we are we're we're only the experts in ourselves and even then <laughs> <laughs> only in so far as we know, know more than other people what's going on in our heads I know but only just physically am <laughs> yeah i know i exist and that's about it that's about it <laughs> do i really that's a whole different issue wow <laughs> But moving on to uh, today's topic, what we're going to be talking about is actually something quite, quite big, I'd say. Yeah. In that one of the things I know I tend to struggle with is trying to communicate the, like, not quite the seriousness, but the extent to which I struggle with things, right? Yeah. I know you have the same thing. So like... A lot of the time we don't have the language or the language we do have isn't sufficient to accurately describe what we're going through. So if you've got like a a sensory issue where the touch of a certain material just sends a shiver up your spine. Yep. (laughs) You know, the the only way to say that without sounding like you're completely overreacting is just going, oh, I don't like like the touch of velvet in your... Example for I hate with a passion being in the vicinity of velvet. <laughs> yeah, which is more or less accurate to yeah. how you experience it. But if you said it that way, then you would sound completely unreasonable. Yeah, people don't you? really understand what you mean, do they? I think. Yeah, and that is one of the things we want to try and 
kind of introduced is we get some sort of proper language in place for accurately portraying our experiences and our struggles without sounding like we're either going completely overboard with it or we're not being serious enough with it that people look down on it if you're like oh i don't like the feel of this or i don't like the texture and they just go oh "Oh, i I don't like that either you know everyone feels that way everyone struggles with this yeah We've all heard that. Like everyone, everyone has difficulties with that. Everyone, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. we. Don't, I don't like going to work either. It's a. <laughs> so I think there are going to be quite a few different episodes worth of these sorts of communication points. Yeah. But the one we're going to go for today is we're going to try and figure out and explain. The difference between procrastination and executive dysfunction, which is something that I come across a lot. And also it's really difficult to try and put into words what the difference between the two is, because one of those everyone does. Everyone procrastinates at certain points, but it's only neurodivergent people who have this issue with executive dysfunction. And that's what makes it the issue. So, Chloe, you've done actually a solid amount of research on I have the actual scientific the part. The science. Of it. So, we'll start with the science. We're going to do a science. We're going to do a science up in this joint. <laughs> so, strap in, it's science time. Right. <laughs> so, first of all, executive dysfunction and procrastination, they're fairly similar in some ways, tend to get confused. So, yeah. obviously, people will assume that someone who's neurodivergent is just lazy. because they think they're procrastinating. And they do think that brain-wise, the executive dysfunction and procrastination both come from the same kind of part of the brain. Okay. Um, But the difference is, essentially... So first of all, we know that procrastination is basically you have something to do or you want to do something, but you voluntarily put it off. So you can say, oh, I need to go and cook dinner soon, but I'll just watch one more episode of this show. Yeah. Or let's say, you know, you've got, uh, let's put it into a student perspective. You've got to mm. study for an exam, but your friends are going down to the beach. Yeah. So you just you just think, oh, I'll do it later. That's kind of, you're voluntarily putting it off. Yeah. You're kind of shifting your priorities yeah. of your own free will, even though you know it's a bad idea. Yeah. Pretty much. Whereas executive dysfunction is kind of your brain preventing you from being able to do something. And I found the difference between the two quite confusing, which is why I had to read up about it. And I think the easiest way to explain what it is, is to explain what executive function means first. So basically, if you think of your brain hole... My brain hole, okay. So at the front of your brain hole, you've got your prefrontal cortex. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the bit that is responsible for executive function. Okay, so I know which bit to blame. Yeah, exactly. You can you can point at it and tell it off. Um, so bad brain, <laughs> bad. Executive function is kind of an umbrella term for various brain processes that control behaviours that are usually related to doing something necessary. You know, yeah. or something useful to you. So, like um, eating, sleeping. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Um, so it includes things like 
self-restraint working memory, which is, you know, short-term storage of information, self-motivation, self-awareness, problem solving, things like that. They're all kind of executive function, all regulated by that part of the brain. So if you have any issues with any of those processes, then you're experiencing executive dysfunction. Well, just you reading that, I heard about four that I was like, (laughs) yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, well, also a fun fact that I wanted to slip in here for any folks listening with ADHD. Um, Represent. The prefrontal cortex is also actually involved in decreasing distracting stimuli from other regions of the brain. And therefore... If you have ADHD, you tend to have less activity in your prefrontal cortex. Therefore, it doesn't reduce distracting stimuli from the rest of your brain, i.e. ears, (laughs) visual cortex, things like that. Okay, so that, I'm I'm just trying to (laughs) process that. It's a science. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) So it's more that, so it doesn't cut out the like distractions from the other parts yeah. so it's other distractions so, so it's naturally less focused yeah right? yeah basically okay. yeah so it doesn't it doesn't stop other signals from interfering with your concentration pretty much and that's why people with ADHD find it so easy to be distracted by okay. other things because yeah. the prefrontal cortex is not as active science yes yeah, so. <laughs> um in case that whole lot was a bit of word vomit <laughs> of science A good analogy for what executive dysfunction usually entails is imagine you're playing a game Uh and you've got your character that has various abilities, you know, special attacks, maybe magic spells, things like that. I'm talking like a video game here, by the way. Um, (laughs) And these things all have kind of like a cooldown on them. So after you've used them, you can't use them again for a while before they've reset. Mm. So you're in an intense boss fight You've yeah. used all of your abilities. You're yeah. mashing your buttons aggressively. Yeah. And the games just go in, no, sorry, that's not ready. No, no, sorry, that needs to recharge. No, sorry, we can't use that. That's basically what your brain does on executive dysfunction. Mm. It's basically like everything is unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter how hard you mash it, it just goes, no, sorry, can't, can't use that yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, there have been so many days where I know that I've wanted to do work like I've had projects to work on or like things to edit or writing especially yeah especially on the creative side that I've actually wanted to do I'm like I I would like to do this please brain and the brain has gone no 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that's self-motivation yeah, which is one of the seven executive functions because the the way (laughs) I've started to kind of describe it like the difference between procrastination and executive dysfunction in that case is that procrastination tends to be putting off stuff you don't want to do and you do it more or less on purpose you know you could do the thing like you know washing your clothes or like tidying your room or making your bed you could do it if you wanted to but you'd rather do something else yeah whereas the executive dysfunction and this is something that's hit me so many times is that a you don't choose it yeah and b it happens to stuff you do want to do as well it's very yeah. non-discriminatory yeah. 
on that. There have been times where I've just been sat in the living room for like the entire afternoon, not being able to do anything, even stuff I've wanted to do or things I enjoy. You know, I can't just load up a game and play that if my brain says, I don't feel like it, you know? Yeah. It's like the mood isn't right. I do, you know, I do the same thing. Yeah. If I have a day off, I'll sit there and I'll think, right, I've got a whole day. What am I going to do with it? And my brain goes, nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's that thing of like, okay, that it's that, that meme where it's like, what are we going to do today, brain? And brain goes, nothing. So you go, okay, let's relax. And brain mm. goes, no relaxation, no. only guilt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Is> that. <laughs> Well, yeah. You sit there and you can look around the room and you can list things like, shall I read a book? Brain goes, no. Shall I play a game? Brain goes, no. Shall we go for a walk? Brain goes, no. And you're just like, oh, come on. I want to do something with my day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my brain is a particularly picky French artist. <laughs> like, Francois, would you like to do some painting today? No. The mood is not right. <laughs> Or like, you know, another day you go, Francois, do you fancy um, maybe taking a stroll along the the river? It's a lovely day outside. You go, no, the mood is not right. (laughs) But refuses to tell you what the right mood is. I kind of compared it to myself earlier of the stereotype of having a, a fussy partner that you're trying to take out for dinner. And you say, oh, where do you want to go to eat? And they go, oh, I don't really mind. And then every suggestion you make, they say they don't want to do it. But they never give a suggestion of what they do want to do. That's basically a brain on executive dysfunction. (laughs) Yeah, which which is normally fine if, like, you are okay. You, Chloe, have an idea of where you want to go. Because I'll just go along with it. Mm Because in this place, best idea wins. And if you don't have an idea, then you don't get to play. (laughs) So if you've got an idea and I don't, then we go do your idea. Yeah. But if you don't have an idea either, then we're both just, and as has happened before, we sit there until about 11 o'clock at night when we're both hungry, tired, (laughs) annoyed, because neither of us has been able to come up with an idea of something to eat. And we've just gone, ugh. Yeah. There's a few that, that hit me personally. Um, with executive dysfunction that I didn't realise until recently were executive dysfunction, but anyway. But one thing that we both tend to do, which I think definitely comes under some sort of working memory issue that we both suffer from, is when there's a household job to do. For example, taking out the bins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the bins that we talk about taking out for about a well, week yeah. before they yeah, actually go out. And the only reason we don't take them out is because as soon as we are not looking at them, we forget they exist. (laughs) Pretty much. And I think that's probably a working memory problem. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Because we just don't store the information. The other thing is, like, it happens a lot where even if it's not completely out of your mind, like, if there is an email you need to respond to or, like, bins to take out, you don't forget about it, but it just gnaws away at the back of your mind. Yeah. And it makes you feel like guilty because you're not doing it and yet you don't have the brain space to be able to do it yeah you can't just sit down and like respond to that email and it's like oh it's been two weeks you need to respond to it now yeah you, you made me think so and that, that i think another thing we both do is when you get a message from somebody and 
you kind of read it from the notification at the top of your screen. Mm. And then you think, oh, I'll reply to that later. And then three months goes by and you still haven't replied. And at that point, you've spent, by the way, every few days during those three months thinking you should reply to this Mm -hmm. message. And then it gets to a point where you think, I've gone too far now. (laughs) I can't reply because it's going to be weird. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've still got a Facebook message from 2019 I haven't responded to yet. Honestly, it's like I do it all the time and it makes it so hard to kind of keep in touch with people and mm. actually this was something that i read about earlier you should check out check out the um r slash executive dysfunction on reddit because it's great <laughs> something i read on reddit earlier um was that when you get a message in that case there's so many obstacles in your brain that cause you to not reply to it mm. so you think i've got to read the message i've got to process the message I've got to come up with a response. And then another message is going to come through and I'm going to have to repeat the whole cycle yeah, it, again. it just keeps going and, and going and going. Yeah, and then I think as well that if I go online and I reply to someone's message, then I've got to do them all because everyone's going to see that I've yeah. been online in a way. And so you just end, I just end up leaving all of them because it feels like such a big thing. Yeah, our brains don't see it as like one little task. So with the replying to messages, I know that if I reply quickly to a message even if i'm in the right brain space to do it they're gonna send me another message because they've only just sent it so they'll still be on their phone at the time yeah and that just kind of makes a lot more pressure to kind of have that conversation continually responding quickly yeah and i'm like my brain goes no thank you yeah (laughs) and it's a bit overwhelming because we don't see it as those little tasks we see it as that one big commitment Mm -hmm. don't we and it just makes it really difficult because say like i want to go for a shower for example then i walk into the bedroom to go get a towel and then i notice that the washing clothes washing needs doing (laughs) so i'm like okay i'll go and take that into there to go and do the clothes washing and then i'm like oh wait i forgot my towel i need to go back to do that and then i notice that something needs taking off the door because it's dry and like okay i'll just go put that away and then i notice that i've got a load of clothes on the floor so i'm like well i'm doing stuff i may as well just go and put the clothes away and then i come back out and i'm like oh hang on yeah there's some washing up that just needs doing i'll go do that and then it just kind of builds (laughs) and builds and builds and then i just you like you come home and like i could have sworn i've forgotten something (laughs) yeah i i run into that trap a lot at work yeah. I'll start doing something and then usually I'll need to serve a customer that comes in and then I'll start cleaning because, you know, I notice that something's a bit dirty and then two hours will go by and I'll realise that the thing I was doing at the beginning oh. is still sitting there and I yeah. forgot it existed. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, back to the video game analogy. If you've got a fetch quest, like someone's asked you to go and get something from someone else and they're like, oh, yes, I can do this. You can have this like talisman if you go and find me like <laughs> I, I've got I've got this machine that needs repair and go and find me a spare like spring yeah. coil. And then you go and do that. And that person goes, oh, yes, I've got a spare spring coil. But uh, my trading parties have been t- attacked by raiders. If you go and sort them out, you can have the spring coil. And then you go and do that. And then the raiders... Yeah are like, well, it's not our problem. It's the local warlord who have taken our sheep 
if you go and take him out, then and it just kind of builds and builds and builds. So if you go in and do that path, it's okay. You may well forget what the initial reason for you being on this path is. Yeah. But also, if you know what that path is beforehand, you're not going to do it because you see it as going to do this one little task. But it's not. It's actually this enormous gauntlet of challenges that you have to do. And your brain goes, it's not worth it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Funnily enough, on games that do require things like that, as we know, I I tend to get quite annoyed by them. And uh, Mm. I tend to eventually give up on them because the long, fetchy quests start to get real boring after a while. Real boring, real quick. A lot like real life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So usually we want to give you practical advice for getting around these sort of uh, situations or difficulties. It's one of those things that, trust me, if there was a a nice, easy workaround, we'd all be doing it. We'd know about it. We'd do it. The only thing I can say works a little bit for me is if my brain is a bit spread out. So it's like it doesn't really know what it wants to do. I find that maybe if I go have a shower, which, as we've already discussed, (laughs) comes with its own set of challenges. If I get to that point... Then it's bedtime and the day is done anyway. (laughs) Don't need to worry about it. But... um, Having a shower is a really good way to try and like reset my brain because I usually yeah. find myself just thinking about things and it just provides an idea, like a spark of inspiration. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I'm on that track, like that track. I can follow that. However, being able to remember that that is an option <laughs> and also then going to have the shower is difficult. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't always happen. In fact, it very rarely happens. Well, for me, I think just understanding what executive dysfunction is and the things that come with it mm. has has kind of helped me to punish myself a bit less for yeah. doing these things. But some things I read online that obviously I haven't tried myself because I didn't realise until about yesterday that I, <laughs> I actually experienced executive dysfunction. But some stuff I read online is that you can get therapy executive dysfunction therapy you can actually get support with it um some people yeah, but there's say probably like a form to fill in oh, no, and like but... you've got to make phone calls and follow <laughs> up on email i think all the all the solutions i read about the practical ones involve filling in at least one form <laughs> but you know you can try sort of doing cards so people do like goal cards I did read about that as well for like children, but you know, you could do like a list or do like some goals of things that you want to do in the day or, you know, things like that just to keep track of it and motivate yourself a bit. Um, The risk with that is if you don't do things and then you end up with an empty card, it can be a bit demoralizing. Also, the the (laughs) thing that I found, because I I, I did at one point try and do a to-do list for the day, it works for a couple of days. Yeah, I have that. And then you just forget about it. Yeah, I do. And exactly then you never the look thing. at it again. From my experience, the only thing I can say helps me because, as I say, one of my main issues is self motivation. Yeah. Actually, getting myself to do the things that I want to do is really hard. I find it a million, million, billion times easier 
to do something with my day off if I've arranged it in advance. Yeah. So don't approach the day thinking, oh, I've got a day off. What am I going to do with my day today? You stand more chance of being stuck. Like there's too many choices. You can't decide, so you do nothing. If you want to do something in particular, then pencil it in. (laughs) Yeah. Book it, schedule it, whatever. And then when that day comes, you're already committed. Yeah, basically... Force your future self to do it. Because I think external pressure is one of the main things that gets me to kind of be able to do these things. Yeah, that's, yeah, external pressure is the only way I function, really. Yeah. Similarly, I, something that I do kind of find works is the night before, if I formulate a plan of what I want to do for that day. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this. And I pick like the one big thing that I want to do yeah because one of the things I struggle with is like prioritizing tasks yeah right so if I have like the one big thing then that's the thing I want to do so if it's like a you know I want to edit some work or I want to do some paperwork like production folder stuff then that's the thing I'm going to be doing and then my brain will wake up the next morning and go okay production folder that's going to be our thing yeah once my brain stops working on that, then it's like any other business sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But if I start thinking about other tasks I need to do, so if I need to do a production folder, okay, but also you need to do some, like there's some washing you need to do, or you want to do a little bit of rearranging of like the living room maybe, or and that just kind of snowballs into, oh, look, I've got 10 different tasks and I don't know which is more important than the other. Yeah. And then it's yeah. just going to like spin the wheel and find out which one I'm going to do, because I don't know. So yeah, you pick the one big important task the night before, and then focus on that. At least that's how it works for me anyway. But I think one of the, one of the things you did pick up on, because we we've actually managed to get a couple of interesting little uh, suggestions in there for the survival book guide, yeah, haven't we? Yeah. I think the main one we need to go for is, as we were talking last week, it's just that self-acceptance yeah. Right, because there aren't any easy get outs. There aren't any cheats for executive dysfunction. Yeah, you it's know. a brain thing. It's a brain thing. You can't easily change it, no. right? So if you've got to take anything away from this episode, take away that it's okay. It just happens. It's not your fault. It's not anything that you did. Yeah, it's out of your hands, really, for it, the most yeah, part. Yeah, it's it's out of your hands. So if you find yourself struggling to do a task that you want to do, you know, if you can't go out to the park or go fly a kite because your brain won't let you, that's okay. There will be other days. Don't beat yourself up and ruin this one because of something your brain is forcing on you. That's very beautiful. There's bound to happen <laughs> at some point. You say enough words, some of them are going to be good. I mean, it's true, though. It's true. And that, like I said, that's what I learned. The most that I've taken away from just research and executive dysfunction is that it is something that affects me. I didn't realise that it was something that affects me. Mm. And I can't do a whole lot about it, which is unfortunate. But as you say, punishing yourself and trying to fight it, it's just going to make you feel worse when you can't. It's not going to change it, I suppose. Yeah. Just as a little addendum to this, what we need to talk about very quickly is 
trying to communicate this to neurotypical people because we'll take it right back to the beginning and when people are like oh it's okay you know i forget where my keys are occasionally or oh i forget to take the washing and when it starts raining oh what am i like (laughs) is trying to communicate the severity of the issue to them where they just don't get it and you know don't care to get it yeah. So I would probably suggest just using the words executive dysfunction. It's exactly like you said earlier, that sometimes either the language we use either sounds too much or not quite enough. And in both cases, neurotypical people don't seem to understand it. Yeah, so if you've, got, <laughs> if you've got direct language yeah. to actually explain a thing like, hey... I experience executive dysfunction. That's a thing then. That's a thing that it is. And you don't have to try and explain the severity. It's just a thing. Yeah, it it serves two purposes. It's accurate, which we like. It's medical. So it's something they can just Google and just go, oh, okay. And also, it sounds quite serious. It does. So if you go, I suffer with executive dysfunction, then they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Instead of just going, I forgot to take the bins out today. (laughs) Well, I mean, even then it's not, I forgot to take the bins out. It's like, I know I was meant to take the bins out. I was staring at them the entire day. My brain was like, no, we're going to sit here and do nothing. So yeah, those words, executive dysfunction, Um, use them. Look it up. And go on the subreddit. If you you use Reddit, (laughs) go on the subreddit. There's some some top-notch memery. (laughs) Okay, we're not putting that in the book, but you know. What, go on the subject? Yeah, well, we're not gonna, that's not going to go in the actual book. <laughs> to be fair, Reddit's, Reddit's probably more dramatic these days than the real world. So yeah. <laughs> you don't need to add those problems <laughs> onto your list. Although, if you want to add some problems onto our list, hey. yeah, drop us an email at socialsurvivalguide at gmail.com. If you want any tips, tactics, if you just want to rant for a bit, share your experiences, Mm. you can do it anonymously. If you wish, just let us know that you don't want your name shared. Or Instagram. Or Instagram, yeah, drop us on that at Social Survival Podcast. And yeah, I think that's more or less it. We've got some actually surprisingly useful things. So, you know, don't beat yourself up. Use the words executive dysfunction. And the third thing, which I can't remember, because of my executive dysfunction. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, what, ten minutes ago? Can't remember. Oh, God. We spoke about another thing, that's why. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Social Survival Guide. I've been Kieran, she's been Chloe. We've got a bit of an early start, so we'll have to <laughs> head off now. So. I actually do. But... Yeah. All right, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. I don't remember the journey, but I remember where where the thing is at the end or what it looks like. But all the streets in the middle are just a mishmash of wiggly confusion and pain. Yeah.